Good morning. Good morning. Let me hear you say good morning. morning. Y'all have to forgive me. I just started teaching dance class again. And so when I want to hear it, I'm like, okay, when I say hey, you say ho. Hey. Hey. All right. We'll try that again later. Um, Anyways, my name is Amy. My husband, Andy, is the senior pastor here at High Point. He is not here today because he is out in Alabama. He's in Birmingham, Alabama, supporting a new church plant that's launching right now. They're probably in the middle of service right now. So we have been praying as a church um, these last several months. They were here with us at our five-year anniversary, and we are just so excited. When you plant a church, you do something that is incredibly challenging because you're staking claim on land that the enemy has had power over for some time. And so when you plant a church, you need that support. You need people praying with you, lifting you up, believing with you that you are going to reach souls for the kingdom of God. And so that's what we have some of our team there this morning. My husband, like I said, is there. And so as you're going through your week, if you see them on social, give them a like, tell them we're praying for them, and uh, let's just be an encouraging church. Amen? Well, today we're starting a new series called At the Table. At the Table. And today, um, you know, what I want you to do right now is I just want you to think of a meal that you've had at the table. It can be breakfast, lunch, dinner, sometimes maybe a memory, maybe you have some really funny memories as I was thinking about this. I was thinking of growing up, sitting at the table, and I was a little mischievous. I, I, my sister and I were very different growing up, and I remember sitting there, and it was right, I don't know if Nerf guns came out when I was a kid, but it was when they were popular. There still are. And I remember getting my Nerf gun, and we're sitting there eating, and I'm just like, tick it, tick it, tick it, tick it. I just start shooting, you know, Nerf darts at her, and she's, You know, I have those kinds of memories. I have the kinds of memories of going to a family reunion. Raise your hand and tell me you've been to a family reunion before or you've been to some sort of potluck where, you know, as a kid, you're like eye level with the table and it's just this sea of food. It's this sea of platters and bowls filled with all the things and always those I don't understand the jello salad thing that always ends up on the table. I have, look, I'm not dogging it like I see you all that like the jello salad I've just never gotten into it but it's always there just shaking on the table so there's the jello salad we all have these different memories right of moments where we're gathering at the table and we even actually see that in the Bible when we look at the Bible and we read through even from the beginning in Genesis it starts in the garden God put Adam over the garden and Adam had communion with the Lord in the garden and when he would eat and then we see it in Revelation when he talks about having a feast. And we see it the day before Jesus goes to the cross. What is he doing? He's having dinner. It's called the Lord's Supper, that famous painting that you've probably seen before. That's what it's showing us. It's the Lord's Supper where he's sitting with his disciples and he's sharing a meal. We see miracles happen. We see moments in the Word, in the New Testament, especially where people are gathered together, where they're breaking of bread. We see that in the church that's established. I think it says You know, over 90 times in the New Testament, they talk about food. Over 100 times they're talking about eating. So my goal today is for you to know this word, for me to make you hungry and want to go eat together after church. Amen? That's a win for us today. So here's what we're going to do. We're kicking off this series today, and my, my hope for you is that as we're talking about sitting at the table and gathering 
that you would be moved to do this. We're going to comb through some scripture today, and it doesn't necessarily happen around a meal time. The rest of our series will take place around that, but my hope today is getting us to the table. How can we get to the table today to have communion with one another? So today we're going to start in the book of Luke, and we're going to start in chapter 19. We're going to look at a story about a man named Zacchaeus, and we're going to figure out how this man got to the table. He ended up at the table with Jesus, but we're not really sure how. So we're looking at Luke, which is in the New Testament, chapter 19, starting in verse 1 and finishing in verse 10. Are you ready? Are you with me today? All right, let's do this. Let's, let's learn a little bit about Zacchaeus. In verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, um, excuse me, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Man, that's a problem. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Jesus stood up and said to the, I'm sorry, not Jesus. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place right now. Father, we, we want to be in your presence this morning. And Father, I pray that as we are combing through your scriptures... And as we are talking about gathering at the table, God, that you would open our hearts today. God, if our hearts have been hardened, if if we've had some issues, God, with, with church in the past, God, I pray right now for breakthrough in the name of Jesus, for healing and restoration to come through your word this morning. Amen. Amen. So like I said, our scripture is about, our passage is about Zacchaeus this morning, and we don't necessarily see something happening at the table, but what we do want to figure out is how he got to the table, because Jesus ends up at this man's house, okay? And so as I was reading this, and and as I'm thinking about sitting at a table with people, uh, one of the things that happens when you sit at the table with somebody is community happens, right? Community happens. And so our hearts, Gerald mentioned this earlier when talking about life groups, is we want you to get plugged into life groups because we believe in the community that happens in life groups. And when we look at this passage in Zacchaeus, there are a few things. I like points. I like lists. So I'm going to give you some points today. Three things that stood out to me that got Zacchaeus to this table. The first thing is that we need relationships that compel us to follow Jesus with greater passion and obedience. Now, Zacchaeus did not know Jesus at the time. Okay, he, he meets Jesus in this moment. But this is what we need in order to get to the table. We need community. We need a community of people to help us grow in our relationship with Jesus, to compel us to have passion for him, to be obedient to his word. And when you look at just community at large, the definition of the word community is a unified body 
of individuals. So you can have a community that's outside of church, right? You can have a community at your gym. Let's go. I got like four different gyms that I know of represented here today. Uh, you can have a community with people that you play sports with. You can have community with people that cheer on your favorite sports team with. You can have community um, in a book club. You can have community in a band. If you're a unified group of individuals that likes to, you know, eat Italian food every Friday night, you can have an Italian food club community, okay? You can have community in all all different ways. But what we want to look at is why is it that those communities, there's something that's missing there. There's something in those communities that we're missing. And what we see when we look at scripture and when we're looking at, you know, having relationships that compel us to be obedient, you can have relationships with people in those communities that love the Lord and can cheer you on and, and, and so on. But more than likely, your focus is what you're building your community around right? If you're going to an Italian food club, you're going to talk about lasagna more than you are about Jesus, okay? And so um, the thing that, that, that I love, though, is that we're unifying, right? We're a unified body. We're a unified group of individuals. And here's the, here's the challenge with that, though, is that it's, it's basically giving us just a little bit of a taste of the community that we could be experiencing that actually taps into our souls. See, if we believe that Jesus changes everything and you have put your faith in Jesus and you're ready to grow in your relationship with God, you've got to be tied into a community that's compelling you to follow Jesus, that's compelling you to live for him and to be obedient to him. It's like, you know, the, if, you're, if you're part of that and you're expecting it to fill your soul, it's like going to, on a cruise ship with like the surfing simulator. Have y'all seen that? Now, I've never done it, but it looks amazing. I always think I would be the person that makes the viral video that's just like, you know, hanging in the water and everyone's like, oh, but no one's helping her. That's what I kind of imagine. Um, but it's like the surfing simulator. It's like you got the surfboard, you've got the jets of water, you've got the lifeguard, you know, you've got all the people that are just like, you know, waiting for you to bust your face. And, and, and you get this feeling of surfing, right? Or it's like the skydiving simulation, you know, where it's come and feel like you're jumping out of an airplane by getting in this tunnel of air. And you get in the, t has anybody ever done the tunnel thing? I've never done it. Okay, so I'm assuming that there are aspects of it that feel like you're skydiving because of the wind like blowing at your face. But there's nothing like actually jumping out of an airplane and skydiving. Now, I'm not telling you all need to go jump out of an airplane today, okay? I have done that. I haven't done the surfing thing. But when we scratch the surface of community and we get just a taste of, of, of what biblical community looks like, it's like being in a simulator rather than actually being in part of the real deal that's going to go deeper. It's not just scratching the surface. It's going to penetrate your heart. And so when we look at community here at High Point, we're not looking at just a community of people that, you know, they like the same songs and, you know, they, they you know, like to have chili cook-offs in the fall because we do, but we want to be a community that is a unified body of individuals that are disciples of Jesus Christ, that love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbors as themselves. And so how can we do that? How can we be different? How can we be a unified body of believers? Godly community is relationship with each other, but it's going to compel you 
to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, the Bible shows us, I'll, I'll pull a couple, couple scriptures out. In John 13, 34 through 36, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. We need to underline that, that part. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Matthew 18, 21 through 22 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times, about up to seven times. And Jesus says, I tell you, not seven, but 77 times. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If we're going to be a community that's different than what you can get at a gym or what you can get in being part of a sports team, and we're going to be a biblical community, we've got to have something to offer that other things can't. And that is relationships that compel you to follow Jesus. If I have an issue with my brother or my sister, and I go to my, my friend and I say, they really bothered me. They really hurt my feelings when they said that. As a community of believers and disciples of Jesus, I don't go, Psh, they shouldn't have done that. You are so right. You should totally hold a grudge against them until they apologize. Don't even talk to them. Silent treatment. Don't talk to them. No. Our response is, well, the Bible says we need to go to our brother and talk to him about it. So when are you going to do that? I'll check in with you in a couple days and see if you've called them and talked to them about it. It says forgiveness up to 77 times. It also says it's the glory of a man to overlook an offense. If we're going to be a body of, of, of people, a community of people, a biblical community that's unified, disciples of Jesus Christ, when something happens, we should be known by our love for one another. We should be known, oh my gosh, we had the biggest uh, miscommunication, but because I went to them, it looks different than, than maybe what advice I got from over here. My advice for my my church community was to go to my brother, to acknowledge the situation, and to ask for forgiveness, to be humble. We should look different. Amen? Amen. Zacchaeus, he didn't have this community. Okay, so when we look at this story, Zacchaeus isn't even part of a community. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. If you know about anything about tax collectors during this time period, they were hated. People did not like tax collectors. There are scriptures that lump tax collectors into the same group as robbers and murderers. So people didn't like these guys. They generally took money and took more money than they needed to. And so when you're, when you're looking at this guy Zacchaeus, he's had no community whatsoever. We don't know how he ended up in this job. We don't know if it was something that his, he was passed on from you know, his family or something drove him to desperation to have this job that nobody liked. We don't know his situation. But Zacchaeus, he needed community. And so here's what happens. The second thing that we can look at is we need the courage to get out of the tree. We need people to compel us into a relationship with Jesus, but we also have to have courage to get out of the tree. Here's what I mean. Verse 5 says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I love this because 
Here's a man who is publicly known and hated by so many people. He climbs up into this tree, and he's probably thinking, I'm never going to have friends. Like, this is fine. This is the best seat in the house for me because I can see from a distance. I can get to know who this Jesus is from a distance, and I'll be fine. I'll just kind of nestle in, get my little perfect spot in my tree. But Jesus doesn't do a drive-by miracle in this moment. He takes time, and he actually calls Zacchaeus down. And Zacchaeus had every reason to not come down from that tree. I guarantee you, Zacchaeus dealt with some loneliness. And the, the problem, what we're facing right now, is people are dealing with loneliness at very high levels these days. And you would think that in a culture and in a day and age when we have all these ways to be connected, that we wouldn't be lonely, but somehow it's still creeping into our hearts. Let's take a look at some statistics for just a moment, okay? So when we look at social media, how many of you have a social media account? It's about everybody, okay? If you have a social media account, you might have Facebook on your phone, okay? Here's what Facebook's mission is, is to give people the power to build community and to bring the world closer together. The average number of friends on Facebook that someone has is about 338. 338 friends. And there are over 2.4 billion people that use Facebook. So 2.4 billion people with an average of 338 friends, I'd say we're not dealing with loneliness, right? Their goal is to build a community that brings people closer together. Instagram, the average number of followers on Instagram is 150. I love Instagram, by the way. But you have the average is 150. Now, there are benefits. I'm not dogging technology, okay? I love technology. It's because of technology that my mom was able to see her grandkids when uh, I had them in Florida and she was living in Tennessee and couldn't make it. And I'm like, oh, look, here's your, here's your grandbaby. And then, you know, for military families, it's a huge, um, a huge win for them. They get to see their loved ones when they're deployed overseas and not have to maybe write letters as much. And depending on where they're, where they're serving at the time. And so there are huge benefits to technology, but there's something, there's a challenge that I, that I still can't cross my mind over, and that it's that here's what the American Psychological Association uh, released last year. That out of a survey of 20,000, so this is less than the amount of teens, not teens, excuse me, students at KSU. Out of 20,000 people, 10,000 plus registered and said that they felt lonely. That's, that's half. That's 50%. Okay? It also says that people who suffer from loneliness are at greater risk of premature death. The average American eats one in every five meals in their car. One in every four Americans eat at least one fast, fast food meal every single day. And the majority of American families report eating a meal together less than five days a week. I would say it's probably even fewer than that. And when we look at these statistics, we're looking at all, all these friends that people have and, 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 and shouldn't, if, if I have 338 friends, then why do I still feel lonely? If I have 150 followers on Instagram, why do I f still feel lonely? And we see that people are commuting in their cars and they're spending all their time in their cars. It says the average American spends over three hours on their phone a day on social media. We should be connected, right? Right? When Andy and I went to um, Paris a few years ago, 
we learned very quickly that we were fish out of water. And um, here's what I mean. We are very used to being on the go here. We're very used to popping the K-cup in, got my, got my cup, got my breakfast, kids loaded up in the car. You're going to have to finish your breakfast in the car. We do not have time to eat at the table right now. We have to get in the car, and we are going to be late to school if we don't, or late to the bus. And we found ourselves um, one morning in on our anniversary trip that we, you know, we got down from the hotel and there's this little bakery and so we loaded up on like all the carbs for the day because it's Paris, so you do this. You buy all the pastries and, you know, we got our lattes and then we went to the metro because we were going to go see things. I had my plan put together. Y'all know I like my plans. Had my plan put together. I had our, our day ready to go and said we're going to get pastries, we're going to eat them on the metro, and we're going to get to the Palace of Versailles by this time. And so we get down to the train and, you know, we've got our bags, we've got our cups, we've got our, you know, um, you know, croissants and we're eating and you know enjoying ourselves and it's so quiet in the subway there are tons of people all getting ready for the work commute and none of them are eating or drinking anything and we're like I I literally was like did someone stop time like are we are we here right now and we we sat and we looked around and nobody was eating or drinking and so we got on the train, and now we're starting to feel really insecure. So, you know, we're, like, <laughs> covering our lattes. Like, we, we aren't eating on the go. What are you talking about? We're totally local. Um, and we get to where we're going, and we start having conversations with some of the locals. And, and we bring up the food piece, and they were like, why would you want to, in, to, to eat something and, and try to force something so quickly when you should be sitting down and enjoying it with somebody else? And we were like, fine, Paris, fine. Um, way, to, way to trash all of my, my goals of getting to these places early in the morning. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We actually did start eating breakfast sitting down um, for the rest of the trip. And we had a lovely time, and we adapted to their culture. But here in America, when we look at these statistics, people eating one in every five meals in their car and, and were disconnected, we, we, we see over 10,000 people out of 20,000 people feeling lonely, there's something wrong. There's an epidemic that's happening. And I think if there's anybody that could understand loneliness, it was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't have friends. He didn't have a community of people. He was lonely. He was rejected, and he was not liked by anybody. And so when Jesus looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I, if I'm Zacchaeus, I'd be like, I'm good. I'm good. You go ahead and do the water to wine thing. I'm here for that. Go ahead. But no, he comes down immediately. Zacchaeus comes down immediately. And then Jesus says, I'm going to go to your house today. I'm going to go sit with you at your table. When you go to someone's house, especially during this time in biblical context, when you go to someone's house, you eat together. That is customary. You don't just go and, and say, here, I have, some, I have some tap water here for you. you know, no, you go and you sit and you have a meal together when you go stay at someone's house as a guest. I, I, I don't always have you know, tons of food on hand, but I'll pop you popcorn and give you a Capri Sun. may not be bread and wine, but it's my bread and wine, popcorn and Capri Sun. And you, when you come to someone's house, you sit and you eat and you drink and you enjoy a meal together. You go to somebody's house and you're hospitable. And I'm telling you right now, 
Zacchaeus had every single reason to not come down out of that tree. And I know for a fact that loneliness is not something that only he and these guys and these statistics are battling. We are battling this. It is scary to get out of the tree. It's really okay for me when, you know, they make the announcement about life groups. I can text L groups to 97,000. Anybody can do that. But I've got to have the courage to get in my car and actually go to that place. I actually have to get the courage to text that person that said, hey, you want to grab coffee? I have to have the courage to text them back and be like, not really, but I'll do it. I feel really afraid to get together with you, but I'll do it because I'm starving and I'm lonely and I need relationship. And it's more than just a community at your gym. It's a community of people who want to compel you to live passionately for Jesus. I remember in Orlando, I took a girl out for coffee that I had just met a few days earlier at our church and we're sitting there for coffee and she's just listening and talking to me. And finally she stops me and she was like, okay, do you want to do this because this is your job? Or do you want to do this because you genuinely want to know me? And I was like, first of all, no one's ever asked me that. But secondly, I genuinely want to know you. And she just broke down crying. She couldn't believe that someone would actually want to sit with her and hear her story. And I can only imagine from Zacchaeus' standpoint, this man who's rejected, who is hated by many people, who's probably cheated some of the people that are in that crowd out of their own money, I can only imagine how lonely he felt. I can only imagine the, the, the fear that came over him when he called him down, to, and yet it says that he came down immediately and it welcomed him gladly. It also tells us something about how Jesus called him. He wasn't like, Zacchaeus, get down here. There had to have been some sort of kindness in Jesus' voice. There had to be something that drew Zacchaeus that made him feel safe. Like, all right, I'm coming down. I'm going to come meet you gladly because you just call me by my name like nobody else has. When I hear my name in this community, it's not always for good things, but the way that you just summoned me, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to welcome you gladly. We have to have courage to get out of the tree. And we can look at Zacchaeus and we can follow his example. We have to have courage to go to that life group. We have to have courage to ask the person if they want to go to lunch. It's kind of like asking someone on a date, and it can be a little awkward at times. I know. I get it. But if you want to experience real community, you've got to have courage to get out of the tree. And lastly, one of the things that will help us get to the table is that Jesus made time for what he valued. It wasn't, like I said, a, a, a you know, hey, Zacchaeus, you're fine, you know, surrender to me and You'll be good to go. These people will like you. No, he stopped. And he made a point to call this man. He made a point to call him out of that tree. And he made a point to say, I'm going to your house. It was a sign of honor to go to someone's house. I don't even, I would imagine that Zacchaeus probably didn't have a lot of house guests. I would imagine that he didn't have a lot of dinner parties. That he didn't have a lot of birthday parties. That he didn't have a lot of weddings that he was invited to. And here's this guy who is, no one can stop talking about him and the miracles that he's doing and, the, and the, the healings that are happening. And this guy's blind eyes, they were open. And here's this guy 
who's hated by all. And that guy, the guy on the street, Jesus, calls him by name and says, I want to come to your house. I want to come eat with you. I want to come sit with you. And I, oh man, I would love to see what that exchange looked like at the table with Jesus and Zacchaeus. We don't know all the things that happened, but we do know this. Jesus made time for him, and the result is this in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I don't know about you, but my calendar is very full. I have a lot of things vying for my time. You probably have a lot of things vying for your time. If you're not at work, you're at a sporting event. If you're not at a sporting event, you're studying. If you're not studying, you have to go to practice. If you're not at practice, you have to get this, this, and this done. And, and you know, I've got to get this at the grocery store. Oh, I've got to go to the doc. I've got to call the doctor again. Things vie for our time, and they can steal our time. But what we have to model after is we have to look at Jesus and what he did with his. And he made time for what he valued. He could have breezed through Jericho and not even acknowledged Zacchaeus. We don't know what he was about to do. And, and, and here he is and he stops and he acknowledges this guy in the tree and says, let me come to your house. I, now, if I'm one of his disciples, I'm probably like, this is not part of the itinerary today, Jesus. You have this at 3 p.m. And you were supposed to go over here and, and go to this synagogue at, at 4. That would be, that would be me. And, and here's Jesus. I'm going to go to your house. And here's me going, okay, we got to rearrange. That's how I feel. That's, that, and it's a challenge for me. But if I'm not making time like Jesus did for something so important as to have a meal with a man who needed to know him. And what am I, what am I giving my time to? There are things that we do that, that are important. And I'm not saying skip your class and don't study. Not saying that. Not saying quit your job and go live in a meadow. But what I am saying is we have to make time for what we value. If we believe that Jesus Christ changes everything that because of what he did on the cross I now have freedom in him I now have a relationship with God that I never would have had if he didn't by his stripes die on the cross for my sin if he didn't do that if I don't really believe that then I can go get my community from the local restaurant and see the same people over and over or if I believe that Jesus changes everything, then I want to have relationships with people that compel me to obey, that compel me to have a passionate relationship with him, that will mourn when I mourn, that will cry when I cry, that will laugh when I laugh, that will be surprised when I'm surprised. This is what the Bible teaches us about what a community of believers does with one another. I need to have men and women in my life that are willing to stand in the gap and pray with me and believe with me for healing, to pray with me for my friend who is struggling to get pregnant, to pray with my, my brother whose, whose father is, is 
been arrested. I don't know. But whatever that thing is, we need men and women who will stand in the gap with us. We also need men and women who will call us up and out of our pit. You know, there are days that are dark and that are hard and that are that are challenging. And I do, I am not dumbing that down. There are hard times and that's when you need brothers and sisters, but you also need times when you're sulking in self-pity. You need a brother or sister in Christ to say, hey, that's enough. God's given you armor to put on and he has given you the power to do it because he died on the cross for it. So I'm calling you right now, pick up your shield, put on your helmet, strap your belt, put your shoes on and get your sword ready and battle like God has designed you to do so. You are a daughter of God. You are a man of God. You are stronger than you give credit for and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You need men and women that will do that. You need someone that's going to help form you and shape you into the man or woman that God has called you to be. And if we are not bound together as believers and having community with one another and having relationship with one another and are willing to set aside time to do that, it's not going to happen. Our hope in this series is that we would make time as a body to spend time with one another to break bread with one another. You don't have to have this fancy meal that's a really pretty picture, by the way. Our graphic for this series is really nice. There's like a nice little breakfast sandwich with fries. You don't have to have, you know, the garnishing and all that stuff. You can have pizza and chinette, and God will still move in your life. Amen? Somebody say amen for that takeout Chinese, okay? All right. So there are reasons, there are excuses that we can make, but we have to have courage to get out of the tree. We have to have um, men and women in our lives that are going to compel us to have relationship with Jesus, and we got to make time. Our challenge this week is to look at our schedule and say, Jesus, what do you want me to make changes to my schedule for? How can I say yes to being part of a biblical community even if it's once a week, even if it's every other week, whatever I have to do to make this happen, Lord, help me do that today. Help me have the courage to text L groups to 97,000 and look at the life groups, much less go to one. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's life change when you come down out of that tree. There's life change waiting for you. You know, when we read, when we read these scriptures, we look at Zacchaeus, it was just it was such a short amount of time after he encountered Jesus that Jesus went to the cross. I can't imagine how he felt when he heard about Jesus dying on the cross. He's the one that welcomed me. He's the one that called me by my name and sat at the table with me. Oh, oh God, be with him. And three days later, later, he rose again. And that is the miracle that is waiting for you. If you haven't had a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, if you're like Zacchaeus and you've just kind of been on the outside looking in, the time is now. There's a seat for you at this table. God has a place for you. This is a place for you to belong, to connect, to grow in relationship not only with other people, but with him. I want to pray with you, and, I, and I'm just going to ask you in this moment that if you're easily distracted, you can go ahead and close your eyes. But I want us to really just let the Holy Spirit move. You know, when Jesus um, 
left this earth, we were left with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says that he, he is our comforter, that he is our friend. When we put our faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God comes inside of us. And just like Zacchaeus said, here and now I give my possessions. When you put your faith in Jesus, you immediately want to turn from how you've been living. And if you're in this place this morning where, where you've not put your faith in Jesus and you're ready to, just ask right now, the Holy Spirit, Lord, soften my heart. Open my heart to receive you right now, Lord. If you're in a place this morning where maybe you've put your faith in Jesus, but you haven't really taken the steps to have relationships with men and women who believe the same, who are living for God, I want you right now just to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to have courage to have these relationships in my life. God, help me to get out of the tree today. Maybe you're like Zacchaeus and in the sense that you don't have any community, but you're afraid to get out of the tree. You deal with loneliness and you deal with depression. It is a, it is a dark cycle. But I'm praying with you today that you would have the courage to take a step out of that tree today and start building with community. And maybe... Maybe your schedule's just too full. Maybe you've just said yes to way too many things. And because of that, your relationship with God is very minimal. Ask the Lord right now, God, what can I begin saying no to so I can say yes to this? God, what are some things that I can rearrange in order to build with some of these incredible men and women? who are not perfect, who are flawed, but who have experienced your saving grace and can help point me to you. Wherever you are this morning, I know that the Lord will meet you. I know that we've all had different experiences, but I know that the Lord will meet you right now. Let's pray. Father, we just welcome you. Father, right now, you know every person. God, you know every situation. God, you know, Lord, what terrifies us. God, you know what um, loneliness we're dealing with. God, you know the busyness, the traveling, the commute. God, how could I possibly give that, uh, give to anything else? And Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would move in our hearts. God, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, I pray that we would long to have relationship with others. God, I pray that we would have the courage to get out of the tree today. God, I pray that we would make time for what we value. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this community, God. We thank you for this series. And God, I pray that relationships, not just surface relationships, but deep friendships, God, would be forged during this time, God, as we step out in faith and begin coming together and gathering together. God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name.